today on Ag News Daily. A few years ago, President Trump went out to Europe and he pretty much told the at one of the national meetings that Frankfurt, be careful. Germany, be careful. You get so much of your energy from Russia. And they literally laughed at him. Welcome back, listeners, here on A Market Monday. This is Tanner Winterhoff, joined by Cassidy Zirkel. Cassidy, welcome to doing a show here in Delaney's Place. Hi, Tanner. I have some big shoes to fill. It's a little nerve-wracking. I think you will do great. Delaney's out traveling, getting some good interviews that we hopefully can share with you guys later in the week. But let's not waste any time and get right into the news. So, Cassidy, one thing I thought was comical but is still newsworthy is there's reports of Russian troops having stole $5 million worth of farm vehicles from a John Deere dealership, which once they got those pieces of equipment stolen and located back to a farm in Russia, uh, John Deere's GPS tracker located them and they were able to lock the vandals out of it. So now these $5 million worth of equipment are no longer accessible and warrants all the efforts that these soldiers thought they were performing useless. Wow, I love how technology can just take away all their efforts in a split second like that. That's hilarious. And it also shows how important farming really is for it to be such a big part of this invasion right now. That's right. It said that they had trucked these items more than 700 miles to Chechnya only to find out that they couldn't even unload them because of the remote locking system. So uh, that goes to show, I've also seen across social media, Cassidy, that globes, John Deere globes are still a hot commodity and some vandals are trying to steal those. So it'd be interesting to see if there's some technology being developed to where uh, if those serial numbers are being used by a machine that doesn't match, if they also could be rendered useless. Yeah, that will be interesting to watch. We'll have to look for some more articles on that. Um, Completely no way to relate these two stories, but the first story I have uh, to share is about a Colorado inmate at a correctional facility there um, contracted the bird flu and is the first human infected in the USA. Yeah, and if I saw that article also, it stated that uh, he was part of a crew that was euthanizing a flock. Um, So did get it directly tracked back to a specific flock. Again, as I think you saw, the Center for Disease Control, Cassidy, says uh, that this is still a very, very, very small risk to humans uh, for transmission. Yes, that is what I saw as well. But I also saw that it has spread to three more states, including Oklahoma, Vermont, and Alaska over the weekend. But like they said, still a small risk as the current number sits at about 35.5 million birds, while the 2015-14 number that we keep going back to was about 50 million. So it's still small in in comparison to that, but it caught my eye because I don't know if our listeners know that I live in Huntsville, Texas, which is prison city, and we have a lot of inmates working with uh, agriculture here. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, most certainly. Well, we are doing great on the transitions because my next story has nothing to do with (laughs) prisons or the bird flu, but I wanted to hit on weather. So as of April 24th, which was last year, but the last or last week, the report that came out said uh, planting obviously is behind schedule. So we'll have more planting progress updates for you tomorrow. Uh, But 
we are reporting that this is one of the wettest starts to May in over 30 years for the Corn Belt. So that on top of seeing a post this morning, uh, courtesy of Iowa State, that says uh, this was one of the coldest Aprils. So not only, Cassidy, are we struggling to get crops in the ground due to moisture, but even if we do have them in the ground, we are not certainly getting very much of our growth process started. So a uh, combination of the coldest April for the Midwest, and now we're rolling into the wettest start of May for most of the Corn Belt. Yes, and uh, as Tommy talks about in our conversation that we'll share just a little bit later in this episode, there are a lot of people trying to find the positive. Uh, he talked about a dad snowmobiling with his kids since he can't get planted, and I've seen a lot of people on Instagram doing a dancing challenges and such talking about how they're zero percent planted and have nothing to do until they can start planting so it's definitely a a countrywide struggle right now seems like at least corn belt wide you bet one one weather format or the other uh, certainly seems to be causing some issues yes my weather news has to do with complete opposite type of weather in New Mexico. This is the largest fire burning in the U.S. right now at Calf Canyon and Hermit's Pink Fire, which have, looks like on the map, they've combined to become a fire surpassing a thousand acres burned. Families are being urged to evacuate. It's really a horrible situation. Over a thousand firefighters are working it right now, and it just keeps spreading. And down here in Texas, that's a really big struggle right now is the fires. And as we talked with my dad last week, it's something they're constantly having to fight off little fires and try and keep them from becoming something even bigger. Yeah. Everything from a cigarette butt to a lightning strike could cause a normally small issue turns into a big problem just due to the dry conditions and all the wind that we've been having. Yes, sir. And I remember you saying on Last week's episode I listened to before I uh, jumped on here just to kind of brush up my skills a little bit that it seemed like more fire is happening this spring than others, even though it's a pretty common thing in the spring. So I looked up the numbers on that and over a million acres have burned this year, which is double the amount that had burned at this time last year. So you are correct in thinking that more have burned this year. That is that is not what I was expecting you to say. So I'm glad that you shared that. And I think, Cassidy, we've got our first transition that works <laughs> because I am now jumping into a conspiracy theory around, at least conspiracy theory to date, that Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack was arrested. So uh, according to Delaney, who's currently out in D.C., and other, market, uh, other media sources, especially the market realist, says that that is a rumor the secretary of ag did testify before congress last tuesday in regards to uh, inflated food prices and food shortages but was not at that time arrested so the speculation comes in a tie to the transition here cassidy 16 major fires that have happened since the beginning of 2022 so most of these fires in this conspiracy-related article, as stated right now, just because the sources that we have at this point are deeming this untrue, is that these are not tied together. This article does link them because they are all on food-related facilities, everything from uh, packaging facilities to packing plants, 
we are talking about Shears Foods in Hermiston, Oregon, Salinas, California. It was a Taylor Farms fire. Conaway, New Hampshire uh, was a beef and pork packaging plant. San Juan, Texas was a structure fire uh, for onion packaging facilities. So a lot of loose ties, Cassidy, to agricultural products, mm -hmm. unfortunately destroyed by fire. A lot of these fires have been attributed to uh, worn out equipment or improper processes and not a strategic plan by government to inflate food prices, food prices by limiting supply. So uh, quite an interesting thing, but as of Monday afternoon, we do not have any news that's confirming Secretary Tom Vilsack was arrested in conjunction with the food shortage or food price inflation. Well, that is very interesting and kind of to counter that conspiracy. My next article from Beef Magazine talks about how ground beef is actually a pretty good bargain right now with the prices being pretty low because of the high um, supply that we're having. That's due to slaughter being up in cows and bulls instead of uh, being up in steers and heifers like usual. The numbers on that say beef production for steers and heifers are down about 1.1% from last year, while beef production for cows and bulls are up about 6.3%. And year-to-date beef cow slaughter is up in total 17.3% compared to 21. So this article is basically just saying you should stock your freezer now with all your ground beef because this inventory is not going to last long. Like we've been talking about with all of the fires, lots of cattle are being sent to the yards to be on feed instead of grass because there's not any grass to eat due, either due to fires or due to the drought. And that's having uh, yards have to cull any of their fat cows or at least send their steers and heifers uh, to the slaughterhouse sooner than expected, which is getting your ground beef uh, numbers higher and making that price drop just a little bit. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I think it makes common sense. You know, that's kind of something that Delaney and I have tried to do uh, since I have joined is involve common sense with articles. And I would agree if there's higher levels of coaling, because it's going to cost more to feed them out, uh, that that is going to drive more supply in the market. Hopefully, we can keep and maintain those prices low for those that want to grill out this summer. And we alluded to that a little bit here with our conversation with Tommy. Uh, but by no means can I give the markets any justice like Delaney usually does, Cassidy, but I will kind of run down the list here. It looks like front month for corn uh, closed five cents off. Soybeans were down 34. Uh, wheat was pretty much even on the day. Uh, as far as that looks, spring wheat uh, traded mixed and hard red, hard red wheat was down seven. Um, we get to hear a little bit here from Tommy, a little bit uh, in depth on the meats and crude. So no further ado, Cassidy, let's turn it over to our conversation with Tommy Grisafi. Let's do it. Hey, listeners, we're welcoming Tommy Grisafi here on a Market Monday. Tommy is an advanced trading commodity broker. He has been on this podcast before. You've heard his voice. You've also probably seen him in and around the agricultural sector. Tommy, thank you for joining us. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, lots to talk about. Hope we can fit it all in there, uh, Tanner and uh, everyone listening. 
Yeah, we are going to jump right in. So let's start off with uh, the soybean market. So it looked like we continued to have a little bit of a sell-off carryover from Friday through the weekend. What was driving today's business in soybeans? Yeah, a lot of things to talk about. I didn't like the way the stock market closed on Friday. I was watching the markets. Grains closed. Dow Jones was down five 600. And it went all the way to down 1,000. Percent-wise, not the end of the world, but uh, kind of felt like risk-off. Coming into last night, you see a, a sell-off across the world and commodities that have been really strong, like gold and copper and everything else. And although grains have nothing to do with metals and everything else, for investors who are just buying commodities, it's hard for a trader to watch gold be off $50, $60. Crude oil this morning we came in was down $4. So these outside markets, commodity traders have them up on their quote board. They watch them. Then you start to think, hey, we're long soybeans from whatever price. Could it be there's a good chance it's from lower because we've traded up for so much longer unless you bought them last Thursday or Friday. So with all this money in the commodity market and the corn, wheat, and beans, you wonder, should we take a little off the table? And fundamentally, the fundamentals are still solid. I, I sent a uh, communication to clients today that the uh, that a lot's changed in the last few years. And two years ago, right around now, corn was in the lower threes. Now we're eight for this year, sevens for next year, six for multiple years, and then fives. So to think about that, where we were two years ago versus where we are now, it's not crazy to think that the markets could sell off and trade down. Now, what's interesting is you see your quote board, you see beans are down 40. You have to break that down into percentage points. And percentage-wise, it's 2-3% move. It's not the end of the world. Ah, That's my opinion. Yeah. Interesting. So same is that the same story in the corn market? Because I saw we were sharply lower there as well. Yeah, but not so much. Corn only closed three cents off its high. Corn hit a big rally at the end of the day, and spring wheat uh, managed to maintain some uh, decent levels. And so the corn market and the spring wheat trade at the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, although they came into the weekend, like everyone else, noticing that it rained everywhere, the reality that it's May 1st and there's very little spring wheat planted in uh, the U.S. and Canada. Uh, if you go on the Twitter sphere, you'll see pictures of people. <laughs> you probably saw it. Someone posted a picture of a father and a couple of kids snowmobiling on May 1st. Kind of funny unless you're trying to feed the world and not so funny. So someone, a good dad with a good attitude making the best out of a bad situation. So snow still on the ground in North Dakota and Canada. And all bushels matter, all acres matter. Nobody's a fringe when we're trying to feed the world. So if this trend of 0% planning continues throughout this week and into mid-May, how do you think that's going to affect the grains market and the rest of it? Well, that's a great question, Cassidy. Markets are really smart. They're not, they're not, it's not like they're waking up on May 1st or 2nd and saying, you know what, we haven't planned a lot. They know that. The markets know that and they may have got a little ahead of themselves. And so when you see that pullback today, you almost have to wonder, do the markets, it's going to be 72 degrees in North Dakota Friday and Saturday, this coming up Friday and Saturday. So markets are smart. They look behind. They kind of know that. It's called the futures market. They look ahead. And the futures market might be moving forward saying, you know what? I'm not going to bet against the American farmer. They have a solid month to get a lot of stuff planted. Let's see how it goes. That's a, a good observation. I think uh, when you mentioned Twitter, we saw a combination of either people were going uh, full bore, trying to get crops in in the areas to where they were dry enough and had conditions to go, and others, like you said, that are are laying here quite idle, but let's jump real quickly out of the grains into the meats. 
And uh, from my observation, it looked like lean hog futures were mixed, but uh, cattle was starting off pretty strong. Was that accurate? Yeah, cattle came out of the gate with a little bid, uh, probably uh, feeling a little sense of relief to see multiple years of grains trading lower. Then cattle took a bid uh, towards the middle of the day and the end of the day. The cattle's had a heck of a sell-off, and boy, when they come to get it back, uh, they put some Big numbers on the feeder cattle and the cattle. Just a nice overall day. Hogs, if I'm seeing this right, at one point hogs were 400 lower and they traded up on the day and they closed. Let me turn back around. I got rid of my meat board already, but I want to say they were a little lower and I could check that out. But nonetheless, incredible volatility in the uh, cattle. They came out bid and rallied all day, probably really liking that grain uh, break. And we, uh, and the meat guys have a challenge. When I talk to bankers like yourself, the out in the West, the Western bankers are pretty concerned about the cattle guy. How are they going to make these numbers work for multiple years? I have a similar question to what I asked about the grains with the weather affecting the markets. Um, I know cattle slaughter is up right now just because yards are really full. And you said markets are very smart. So they've got to know that this inventory is going to start going down sometime these summer months. How is that going to affect the futures? Well, the uh, cattle market and the pork market overall still have a great demand, a world demand, a domestic demand. America's full-blown uh, open. That means a lot of consumption amongst restaurant folks. A lot of backyard grilling still going to happen. Overall, people are in a good mood. Now, the stock market sold off a little bit. Sometimes that affects the meats. But I don't know anyone who can't. Uh, none of us are happy when we go out and buy uh, expensive uh, pork, beef, chicken. But yet, we're still going to eat it. I mean, who who in, in working class America, uh, upper middle class, middle class, and lower middle class, the rich, they don't even buy their own food. Someone goes shopping for them. So let's not even right. count them. What? How have you all changed your diet? Because everything's expensive and it's not like you get to switch out of beef and move to chicken chicken in some ways is almost more expensive than beef for what you get for what you're paying for so beef's still a bargain and it's just the new normal in my opinion demand's great and hopefully we can keep that going yeah i had seen a, a protein comparison uh chart floating around social media and it is quite interesting to see it's across the board kind of gone up especially for the end producers but tommy before we started chatting today uh, you mentioned that you wanted to hit on the strength of the U.S. dollar and the effect that it's having. So why don't you share your insights on that side of it? Sure. Uh, the dollar, for those out there listening, they can go uh, just Google dollar chart. They can go look at barchart.com, search American dollar, go look at a daily, monthly, yearly. You're going to see it's at, I, I want to say, and I feel like I'm misquoting this, that the dollar hit 20-year highs. I think what that was was the dollar hit 20-year highs versus the euro. So when you talk about the American dollar, you have to talk about pairs. And you'll see tra traders, well, they used to talk with their hands, now their lips just move real fast. But they'll say, oh, dollar yen's doing this, dollar euro's doing this, dollar pound's doing that. There used to be uh, other currencies, you know, they've all become the euro. So the euro's so important, you'll see, obviously, you all know that we compare the dollar to uh, uh, currencies traded in South America, and the dollar against the real, the dollar against this. So the American dollar is incredibly strong. That is not usually a plus sign for grains. So when you see the dollar as high as it is, I want to say it was about 103.50, approaching 104 as we speak. This very same dollar was 95 over 30, 40 days ago. So 
big move in the dollar tends to be bearish in commodities. That that should just remind everyone how much of a bullish fundamental do we have in grains that the dollar can rally over 10 points, 15 points over the last few months, 20, 30 points over the last few years, and we're at almost record highs in commodities. Commodities have a bull story, and they have a, a few headwinds, and the dollar is one of those things, Tanner and Cassidy and listeners, that professional traders watch. And it, you see the dollar make highs, and it makes a professional trader want to reach over and sell a commodity that hasn't been working well. It worked a little bit today, but over the last, oh, commodity has been rallying for a few years. That hasn't worked well in years. So, But professional traders, old habits die hard, and we are going to keep an eye on that dollar and the dollar relationship amongst other currencies. And you'll see that play into, uh, you know, if we did have a good stock market sell-off like we're having today, tied into Friday, you'll see the dollar and flight to quality trade start to happen. You had mentioned as well that you wanted to talk about uh, the natural gas and crude oil situation and as it relates to Europe. So what do you have to say about that, Tommy? Well, Cassidy, thanks for asking. Uh, a few years ago, President Trump went out to Europe and he pretty much told the at one of the national meetings that, Frankfurt, be careful. Germany, be careful. You get so much of your energy from Russia. And they literally laughed at him. All you have to do is Google Trump, European meeting, gas, and crude oil. It's like everything else. It's out there on the interweb forever. And here we are two years ahead, and who's getting their gas and oil shut off? A lot of the European countries. If you do not pay in rubles, uh, Russia's threatening to shut things off. And they actually did that to Poland last week. So as we speak, crude oil's had a heck of a rally today, over a $5 range from down four to up one. Natural gas has a seven in front of it. Uh, over the last few years, natural gas has had a two. And again, I challenge anyone out there, if they want to go look at the outside markets, go to Bar Chart. It's free. Type in nat gas, crude oil, the dollar. Look at daily charts, weekly, monthly, and that'll help you get a little better grasp on the big picture. Yeah, Tommy, we've been paying attention to the news of what the Russian impact has had. And it is interesting to see the demands that are made and what, what economies that's affecting. So we we greatly appreciate you jumping on and sharing your insight. If a listener wants to locate you or maybe ask some questions directly at you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of Tommy Grisafi? Yeah, thanks for asking, and uh, I'm so glad that you both are on the uh, on this new team, the Ag News Daily team. Uh, they can give us a call at our office. There's a group of us who work together, 1-800-664-4383. I appreciate your time today. You bet. Thanks, Tommy. We'll talk to you again soon. Well, Tanner, I'm very excited to have been a part of this Market Monday episode with Tommy Grisafi, just because, as we've talked about in our interview, I don't have much knowledge at all, but it's really great for me to hop on these episodes and gain more knowledge and start to learn a little bit more about the markets. Well, I think you did a great job in general today. I appreciate your perspective. And listeners, we're going to get more of this duo here while Delaney is out. Uh, at the Capitol, making sure that she has a beat on the latest news. But for today, Cassidy, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 